Good morning. Good morning. How's everybody? How many people after last night had trouble getting to sleep? I lived here, I was, so, I was so geared up, cranked up, I got home and I just sat there staring at the wall for a while. You know what I mean? Just to kind of, just to kind of get back down to earth. If there's anybody that can set a depth on something, it's Pastor Darren. That guy, I, have you ever preached a shallow message in your whole life? <laughs> I mean, it's kind of tough on the rest of us when, when right out of the chute he goes deep, right? And, and uh, so we'll try to compliment some of the stuff that he said, but he really, he really set the standard last night, which he always does. I really enjoyed, enjoyed being here. I've been looking forward to this for a long time. You know what I really like about these Great Awakening weekends is that as a speaker, you can just say whatever you, whatever you need to say without worry about pushback or kickback because y'all are ready for it, right? So it's, it's an unusual group to, to minister to and, and, and to teach and to work with, but I, I really enjoy it. All right, let's take our Bible this morning. Let's start over in Colossians 3. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably give you an overload on Scripture this morning, but that's just the way I roll. So we're going to talk about the theme of the conference is immortality and working with angels, right? So that's what we're going to talk a little bit about this morning. And we are, we are in a great awakening, right? I mean, this, this, this is a great awakening that we're in. It, and, and I guess another way you could say it is it's a time of expanded consciousness. We're seeing things we've never seen before. And with that expanded consciousness carries with it an opening of our spirit to levels of spirit perception and understanding beyond anything we've ever known before. I bet if we were to take a poll this morning that most all of us that are in here would say that we see things and know things today <clears throat> that three or four years ago we had absolutely no idea of. And it's because of, of what we're in today. All of us are being transformed. We're being conformed to the image of Christ. There's unbelievable change that's going on. So what I want to do this morning, I want to talk about the doorway that enables us to work in cooperation with angels. I want to talk about the doorway that enables us to, to, to cooperate with the cloud of witnesses. And this cloud of witness thing has really got me fascinated. I see in that an entire dimension that in my, all my years of life I've never, I've never grasped that I've never understood what it was about, but I'm beginning to get a handle on it. And I want to talk about the doorway that makes immortality a reality, not uh, some kind of pipe dream that we would see in a sci-fi movie someplace. So let's, let's, let's talk about the doorway into this. What, what positions us? What is it that really positions us for encounters, revelation, change, growth, maturity? And, and I think one of the basic things is that we're learning is that we're learning how to sequence with the Father. And what I mean by sequence is, you know, a sequence means there's a particular order which which related events have to one another. In other words, God works in a particular way, a particular fashion. God just doesn't throw stuff against the wall and see what sticks. He doesn't just flood you with a bunch of things to see what you get and what you don't get. There's, you know, he's a God of order. He does first things first. And so I want to look at some first things first this morning. I want to go back to what I think we've got to establish to rightly position ourselves to cooperate with angels, the cloud of witnesses, and to enter this area that Pastor Darren took us deep on last night, which is immortality. So I want to start over in Colossians 3 this morning. Keep your Bibles limber or your, your phone apps ready to roll. We're going to look at a lot of scripture this morning. Let's start over in, in, in Colossians chapter 3. Let me pick it up in verse 9. Verse 9 says, Do not lie to one another, since you have put off the old man with his deeds, and you've put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, bar barbarian or Scythian, and slave nor free. And here's the part I want you to see. But Christ is all and in all. 
How many have read that before, understand that? And you, Okay, you got that. All right, come back to, to, to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17. Colossians chapter 1 and verse 17 says, And he is before all things, and he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now, unless we can get this firmly established, these, these two, three little verses of Scripture here, unless we can get these firmly established, we're not going anyplace. He, he is the universal Christ. Without a doubt, maybe the biggest theological single-handed revelation that I've had in my life is the fact that Christ is in all things and all things are in Christ. Which means quite simply, there never was a time that you were not in Him. Never was a time that you were not in Him. So I, I, I fully got a hold of this truth that... Uh, Christ was not Jesus' last name. Yeah. Yeah. Amen? Amen? Jesus, the man, the physical man, the son of Mary, embodied in a human form the fullness of the Godhead. Jesus was 100% Jesus was man, 100% human. He felt everything that you feel. He had every emotion and desire that you ever experience. He was 100% man. But he was also the Christ, the eternal spirit who always was, even from the beginning, in total union with the Father. So not only was he 100% man, 100% human, he's also 100% God. Amen? He's not 50% man, 50% God. He is the fullness of both expressions. And John writes it so well in that first chapter of John. Let's go over there. John chapter 1. Just read it. We'll just keep laying a little bit of foundation here. Because I'm taking you someplace. So just stay with me this morning. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word. Who is that? Jesus. And the Word was with God and the Word was God. He was, with, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him and without Him not anything was made. Then if you drop down to verse 14, it says, And the Word became flesh. So we see, we see the union, we see the merging of the two together here. This eternal Word that was always with God, the Christ, the eternal Spirit. And all of a sudden now this eternal Spirit takes on human form and becomes flesh in verse 14. The Word became flesh and dwelled among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Now, it was this Jesus, this human Jesus that, that appeared to Paul on the Damascus Road. Paul saw Jesus with his eyes. But it was Jesus that appeared to Paul that revealed the Christ that had always been in Paul. In Galatians chapter 1 and verse 15, it says this, that when it, Paul said that when it pleased the Father who separated me from my mother's womb, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through His grace, all right, next verse, to reveal His Son. The Son of God is Christ. The Son of Mary is Jesus. So the Jesus that appeared to Paul, the son of Mary on the road to Damascus, revealed the Christ that had always been in Paul. That he might preach him among the Gentiles. And he didn't confer with flesh and blood about it. He got it by revelation. Do you see that? So it was the Christ consciousness that opened the door for Paul to get all of the revelation that he got to carry the gospel to the Gentiles. Jesus in flesh appeared to Paul, and Jesus in the flesh that appeared to Paul revealed the Christ that had been in Paul. So what I'm doing this morning is I'm drawing a distinction for you between the Jesus that was 100% man and the Christ that was 100% God. And I think it was this 
this Jesus that was 100% man awakening to his Christ consciousness of being one with the Father that made his identity in his mind and in his own eyes made his identity 100% deity and that empowered him to fully reveal the Father and join heaven to earth, merging them as one, which is the kingdom. That's what the kingdom really is. It's a coming together of heaven and earth. And Jesus, and Jesus brought the two together. In the one man Jesus, he brought humanity and deity together, and he brought the kingdom of heaven and earth together in one. But Jesus, I don't think, always had the consciousness, the Christ consciousness, that his identity was divinity. Now, for example, when he was 12 years old, you know, he, he, he was disobedient. He didn't go with the family, right? And I, 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 was, I was thinking about this, and I said, you know, Lord, why didn't, why didn't you ask your mama and daddy if you could just go ahead and stay at the temple a couple days? He said, because I knew they'd say no. <laughs> I knew they'd say, get your backpack together and get out with everybody else. We got a long walk ahead of us. So what, what, did, what did Jesus, the boy, the, man, the boy at 12, what did he do? He really disobeyed his parents and he stayed behind. Then when his mother came back, now pick up on this. I saw this in such a way. The mo I, I'm, sure, I'm sure mom and dad were ticked. Wouldn't you be if you had to turn around and make a two-day trip back to pick the boy up? And now listen to what the 12-year-old says. I must be about my father's business. <laughs> Now, if I was 12 years old and I had said that, my dad always, my dad had what we called man-to-man -man talks. First man-to-man -man talk I remember was when I was five. We were sitting in church. I was squirming. I was fussy. You know, it was a Methodist church, so the, the, it was a long service, one hour. And I was fussy, and I remember my dad leaning over and said, we're going to the car to have a man-to-man -man talk. We got to the car. I didn't do much talking. <laughs> it was one man that did the talking. And that was back in the time, you know, when you could, when you could spank. Yes. Yeah. Uh, you know, you need, he, he didn't beat me, but I got a whooping. I got a whooping. So I learned what man-to-man -man talks were. So Jesus <clears throat> grew in wisdom, stature, and favor. Jesus learned obedience through the things that he suffered. That's the human Jesus. There came a time when he came into an understanding of his divinity, of his identity as divinity. And I think probably Jesus was the first human to come into a Christ consciousness, but in doing that, it opened the door for you to come into a Christ consciousness. Yeah. Amen. Now, this is, this is the doorway that I'm looking for this morning. This is the doorway we're going to walk through. The awakening of Jesus to his Christness, I, I believe, happened during that tough, trying 40-day encounter that he had in the wilderness. That's when I think the whole thing spun for Jesus from being just Jesus the human to where now he was Jesus who had an understanding that his identity was divinity. So I'm going to read through that little encounter with you from Matthew chapter 4. If you'll turn over with me there real quick. Matthew chapter 4. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 1. And I'm just going to read down through verse 11 real quick without stopping. Matthew chapter 4 verse 1 says, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. You understand the devil was not a guy in a red suit with pointy ears, a pitchfork, and a long tail. You understand that? You can disagree with me, but I think this whole thing happened within the consciousness of Jesus. This was going on in his mind. Yeah. All right? He was drawn out by the Spirit. I think there were some things going on within the mind of Jesus because, because his identity was beginning to merge. Now watch, watch what takes place. And when he had fasted 40 days and nights afterward, he was hungry. 
And when the tempter came to him, he said, if, if you are the Son of God, command these stones become bread. And he answered, it's written, man shall not live by bread alone, by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Then the devil takes him up to the holy city, sets him on a pinnacle, says to him, if you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands you shall, they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said, it's written, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. And again, the devil took him on a seating high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said, all these things I'll give to you if you fall down and worship me. Verse 10, Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God with all your heart, and him only shall you serve. Verse 11, then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. Now, two or three things I want you to see out of this passage of Scripture. First of all, I want you to see that there were basically two challenges to his identity. In verse 3, the challenge was, if you are the Son of God. The challenge wasn't, if you are the Son of Mary. The challenge was to your, to your identity as divinity. It does that twice. Verse 3, verse 6. If you are the Son of God. Then in, then, in, then in verse 8 and 9, there is an offer to shortcut. You can have all the kingdoms of the world, all the, all, all the power you can have, but here's, here's a simpler way for you to do it than to go to the cross. You can, you can figure this out. You can, you can get the plan of God done in a way that makes sense to you. You can, you, can, you can logically come to a good conclusion and handle this without all of the agony and pain you're going to go through. Then in verse 10, he puts the, the, the devil under his feet. Or he totally gets hold of the situation. I think at that point, his identity as divinity is established. The encounter, and I'm going to use encounter and experience interchangeably, but understand this was an encounter that Jesus had. It was an experience that he had. Now here's what I want you to see. In verse 11... The angels came and ministered to Jesus after the encounter. First time that it's recorded that, angel, that Jesus had inter, any interaction with angels was after he established his Christ consciousness. After he established within himself that his identity was divinity. Then the angels came and ministered to him. Now, later on, he had an encounter with a cloud of witnesses. Remember on the Mount of Transfiguration? All of his encounters happened after his identity was established and his Christ consciousness became his, his identity as divinity. You understand? Was, there was a switch in the life of Jesus where he no longer saw himself as just a man. He saw himself 100% man, 100% God. Then later on, after he was, he, was, he was crucified on the cross, he tasted death for every man. He entered immortality and today has a seat at the right hand of the Father. Now come over just a little bit to Luke chapter 4. I want to I catch one thing that Luke caught that, that Matthew didn't record. Luke chapter 4 verse 1. Luke chapter 4 and verse 1. <clears throat> Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Or he was led by the Spirit into this encounter. Okay, you with me? He was led by the Spirit into this encounter. Now watch verse 14. In verse 14, then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. What I want you to see is the Spirit led him into the encounter and when he came out of the encounter with an identity as divinity, with a Christ consciousness, now he's walking in the power of the Spirit. Led by the Spirit in, comes out in the power of the Spirit. So what, what am I saying here? Jesus fully man was led of the spirit and walked into the encounter Jesus the Christ conscious divinity as identity walked out of the encounter and he at that point was empowered and prepared to bring heaven and earth together into one kingdom called the kingdom of God 
All right, now let me just bring this down to where you live. You're going to have that kind of an encounter. You're going to walk into an encounter led by the Spirit. And as you come to that experience or that encounter, you're going to come out of it a different person. You're going to come out of that encounter with a Christ consciousness, knowing that divinity is your identity, and you will begin to live and walk in the power of the Spirit, not just being led by the Spirit. All right, now here's the deal. You don't get to pick the encounter. You don't get to pick the encounter. The encounter might come through your doctor. Anybody ever have any, a spiritual encounter by what the doctor tells you? It might come through your job or your business or your children. You don't get to pick the encounter. But the point is this. It takes an encounter, usually a tough one, where identity is established and a revelation of the Christ as you then becomes your Christ consciousness and it becomes very personal to yourself. But you got to get it for you. Nobody else can get it for you. And let me just tell you again, you don't get to pick the encounter. So you need to be aware of all that goes on in your life because the Spirit will lead you into it and sometimes He will lead you into it and you're not even aware it is the encounter until you're in the middle of it. <laughs> oh my goodness. How many times I've sat with people and they, and they say, I, I just don't know what God's doing in my life. You're in the encounter. You're not supposed to really get everything that he's doing. You're just supposed to let him do it. And you're supposed, to, you're supposed to come out of it different than when you went in. See, we want to figure it out. We want to know what, what's God doing here? Why is God doing it this way? What's he up to? Why is this, ha why is this happening to me? I've been to church every Sunday, paid my tithe, read my Bible and prayed. Why is this going on in my life? Because he's changing your identity. He's bringing you through something. All right? And you're going to come out in the power of the Spirit. But it takes the revelation, it takes the encounter to bring it. Matthew chapter 16. Jesus walks them through this in another way. Matthew chapter 16. All right, let's pick it up in verse 13. Matthew chapter 13, 16, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do men, now watch the wording here, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? The son of Mary. Who, 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 do, who do people think, who do people think I look like? Who, who do they think I act like as a man? So they said, well, some of them think you got a touch of John the Baptist in you. Right? And now let's read on. Some said John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. I don't think they were talking about reincarnation here. I think they were saying that, well, you kind of got the characteristics of John the Baptist. You, you know, you, you, they got a little bit of Elijah in you and you got some Jeremiah. That's the son of man. You understand? Humanly, who, do, who does it look like I relate to? Then, then Jesus asks the big question. He said, but who do you say that I am? Do you see me as a man? Who do you, who do you see me as? Now he's test, this, this, is a, this is a pop quiz. Jesus was good at pop quizzes. He just popped this on him. This come out like out of nowhere. Like, Jesus, what are you doing? Where's this coming from? He's measuring. He's putting a measure on where they're at. So he said, okay, now who do you say that I am? So Peter pipes up and he said, now watch the wording, you are the Christ, didn't say Jesus, you are the Christ, watch the change, the son of the living God. Who do men say that I am? Peter took it to another realm. He said, you are the son of the living God. Next verse. 
Jesus answered, said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona. You didn't get this from anybody. You got this one from my Father, which is in heaven. Jesus said, You only get this stuff by revelation. It only comes to you by revelation. Now, this revelation is important, Jesus said. And he said, Jesus said, In fact, it's so important, verse 18. Verse 18. Did I not give you verse 18? Okay, there we go. I say to you that you are Peter, and I'm, I'm this rock of revelation that I've shown you of, my, of who I am. Now you have the consciousness of the Christ. I'm going to build my church. He's not talking about a brick building. He's talking about people. So what is, he, what is he building your life on today? He's building your life. He's building you, the church, on the revelation of a Christ consciousness. You can't just see him as, oh, he's, he's wow, I sure like that prophet Jesus. He got a little bit of Elijah, him, got some Jeremiah, like John the Baptist. No, he says, you need the revelation of a Christ consciousness. And when the Christ consciousness comes to you, you've come through the encounter. You've come through the experience. You were led by the Spirit into it, and you came out of it in the power of the Spirit. You now have an a identity as divinity. Christ consciousness now is flooding your life. I'm positioning you for some things. That's what he's getting across. So he's building his church, but he's only building it with those that have a Christ consciousness that know their identity as divinity. That was the whole point of, of what Jesus is getting across here. Now, honestly, we, we have never made a distinction much between Jesus and the Christ. You know, we, we all wanted to be like Jesus, Right? WWJD, what would Jesus do? Well, I want to be like Jesus. I want to have Jesus' attitude. I want to have Jesus' heart. I want to love like Jesus loves. Jesus wants to position us for a full manifestation as Christ's with full access to the cloud of witnesses, to the angels. Those angels are ministering spirits that have already been sent to the heirs of salvation. You, you remember that song, Jesus could have called 10,000 angels to destroy the world and set him free? That's a way light. That's way light. Let me show you what the scripture says. Matthew chapter 26, verse 53. He, he's positioning you. This Christ consciousness that he earned, that he got himself through the 40-day wilderness experience. The Spirit led him in. He came through it. He came out in the power of the Spirit. He came out with a different identity. He's positioned you now to have the same consciousness through revelation. It started with Peter. Now, here's, here's the access. He said, or do you think that I cannot pray to my Father and he will provide me with more than 12 legions of angels? A legion was 6,000 Roman troops. So when he says 12 legions, he's talking about 72,000. Now just for fun, I googled Reliance Stadium, seating capacity. <laughs> and what it said on my Google search was, this, this was so cool. The seating capacity of Reliance Stadium is 72,210. So what I saw in the spirit was me down on the 50-yard line looking around in Reliance Stadium and every seat was full of an angel. And God said, that's, that's how many are ready to work for you if you learn to get in this dimension. 72,000, that's like Reliance. Can you imagine being down on the 50-yard line, look up at all around Reliance Stadium, and every seat has an angel in it just going, okay, what, what do you need? What, what, do you, what do you want to send me? What's, what's the assignment? Where, where, where am I going? Tell me what I need to do. He's positioning us to be people that live and know they're, they're, they're only going to change their vibrational frequency. They will never die. Pastor Darren told us rightly last night that love is the highest vibration. Do you know where the highest vibration, which is God's love, do you know where that resides? 
Come on, where does God reside? In us. In us? So the vibrational level is already within you. It's not something you have to go get. It's not something you have to strive for. It already, that love already resides in you, that highest vibrational level that will, that will, that will enable us to begin to beckon the angels, the cloud of witnesses, to walk in dimensions we've never walked for. It abides in you. The Christ consciousness is positioning us through this great awakening that we're in. So what you and I need to do, we need to continually just absorb, 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 open our eyes and see. So you work with angels. How do we cooperate with angels? Theme of the conference. How do we cooperate with angels? How do you enter immortality? It's through a Christ consciousness that is fully aware, listen to me, that is fully aware that you are the Christed. All right, let me, let me start to put some legs on this. That's, that's all good theology. That's, that's good Bible. <laughs> Let me put some legs on this, on the Christ consciousness. How does it look? How does it manifest? How do you walk, how do you walk this thing out? My life's verse, and I told my wife, I want this on my tombstone. 1 John 4, 17. Herein is our love made perfect. This is the way love is perfected. This is the way we get the highest vibrational level. Here it is our love made perfect that we can have boldness in the day of judgment because as he is, so are we in this world. Right? That's my life's verse. I, I, and it's my life's verse. I made it that in, in the middle 90s. I, I taught for a whole year in the middle 90s on 1 John chapter 4, 17. And it was when nobody heard of that verse. And I ran across it in 1 John 4. Now you hear it all the time. But back in the middle 90s, nobody was teaching on here and is our love made perfect. We have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. So I took the whole year and I talked about as, as Jesus is, so are we. I did the whole year on Jesus the human. <laughs> I looked at Jesus' attitudes. His attitude is our attitude. I looked at his behavior. Behavior is our behavior. You know, his lifestyle is our lifestyle. His methods are our methods. We should be the same. Now where I'm at, today when I read that verse, I see it entirely different. When it says, as he is, so are we in this world, I don't see it as Jesus any longer. I see it as Christ. <laughs> That's a whole realm of difference, guys. Because as Christ is, the divinity, the divine, so am I in this present world. Now when I read it, I see that he is, is not the Jesus, but it's the Christ. So he's progressed me now out of the natural into the spirit being as he is. And it's in that dimension, in that Christ dimension, that Christ conscious dimension, that the angels, the cloud of witnesses and immortality become the norm and not the exception. The stuff we're talking about today that we're moving into, that we're just on the periphery, it's going to become the norm and not the exception. Miracles will not be the supernatural, but will become the natural. Yes. Right? In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, let me read verses 14, 15, and 16 to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14 says, A natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. They're foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. That's where we've lived. We've, we've been Jesus the human. We wanted to be like Jesus the human, and we didn't get spiritual things. We couldn't because they were spiritually discerned. They were from another dimension that we weren't into yet. But he who is the spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. Next verse. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But you have the mind of who? Christ. Christ. Jesus or Christ? Christ? You have the mind of Christ. You have the mind of Christ. He is Jesus Christ. So what that means, as he is, so are you. So you are Billy Bob Christ. You are Mary Christ. You're Joe Christ. You're Sue Christ. Right? He is Jesus Christ. As he is, so are you in this world. I've got to show you one more, one more here. Flip Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13. Ephesians chapter 4. This is where we learn about the fivefold ministry. 
what their job is. And we, we finish it off here in verse 13. This is what they're supposed to be doing. This is, this is Jared's job. This is Nathan's job, Pastor Darren's job. This is what I'm trying to do. This 13th verse. We're trying to bring us into a unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, watch, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of who? That's where you're going. So Christ conscious. This is a doorway into this stuff we're talking about this weekend is the Christ consciousness, being fully aware that you are Bob Christ, or whatever your name is. He was Jesus Christ. Christ is, means anointing, and I understand all that, but it, it's an indication, it's a leeway into his divinity. It's who he actually really manifested as. He manifested as the Christ. Are, are, you, are you still with me? Yeah. Still with me. All right. Jesus gave the disciples another pop quiz. I want to look at the pop quiz this time from Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. All right, now we're, start, we're getting this down to where you're going. I'm going to get this really practical in just a couple minutes, so just stay with me. Mark chapter 6, one more pop quiz. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. They've been teaching all day. Everybody's tired. You know, it's like they had an awakening weekend, and it's 10 o'clock at night. You've been there since 10 o'clock in the morning. You know the feeling, right? <laughs> you, you know the feeling. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. Jesus came and he saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion because they were like sheep having no shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. How many can see Darren in that verse? Right? Verse 35. When the day was now far spent, Jesus still talking. No offense, bro. My, my, wife, my wife this morning, she says, will you be home for dinner? And I said, well, it depends how long Darren recaps what I say. <laughs> you understand where I'm going? The day is far spent. Jesus had been talking. Jesus did a six CD series in one day. The people are on tilt. It was a desert place and the hour was late. <laughs> and so uh, in verse 36 it says, Send them away that they may go into the surrounding country and villages and buy themselves bread for they've had nothing to eat. Then verse 37, Jesus gives them a pop quiz. He said to them, You give them something to eat. <laughs> yeah, right. Sure thing, Jesus. They said, shall we go, we, here, shall we go buy bread? It'd take about 100 denarii worth of bread to give them something to eat. Now, what, what was the pop quiz? Let me ask you something. Would Jesus have asked them to feed the people if they couldn't have done it? Would he have said, give them something to eat just to make fools out of them and say, now let me show you how you do it. He wouldn't have asked them to give them something to eat if they didn't have the ability to do it. He wouldn't have asked Peter to walk on the water unless Peter could walk on the water. He wouldn't have sent the 70 out two by two unless he knew they had power over all the enemy, right? So what was the difference between Jesus and the 12 in this story? I'll tell you what the difference is. Jesus had a Christ consciousness and the 12 had a soul consciousness. Because when the problem came up, the immediate reaction from the 12 was out of the soul, out of our mind, out of logic. It's going to take about, you know, $10,000 to feed these people just a little bit. It's really going to tap the treasury. The best thing to do is we just send them, let them be on their own, Panera Bread, Wendy's, it's all just down the road. They can pick themselves up a double cheeseburger and be happy. They came out, wasn't, isn't that the logical thing? You got a huge mass of people, no food. Jesus, give them something to eat. 
So he, he's again measuring the consciousness they're coming out of. So what am I saying here? I'm saying that the mind of Christ is to fully acknowledge that you, you, me, us in this room, this great awakening, we are 100% human, but we're also 100% divine. As the Christ is, so are you in this present world. Now let me, let me show you the encounter that I think after the resurrection turned the disciples absolutely loose to, to function in this. And I'm going to give you a pop quiz. John chapter 20. John chapter 20. I'm going to see where you're operating this morning. John chapter 20. And let's pick it up in verse 19. Let me just get over there here. John 20. In verse 19. Then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear. That's not really having much of a Christ consciousness, is it? For the Jews. I love this. Doors are locked and Jesus comes and stands among them. Remember, as he is, so are you in this world. You know how to switch vibrational levels here. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands in his side. Then the disciples were glad that they saw the Lord. Verse 21. Then Jesus said to them again, peace to you. This is a key statement. As the Father has sent me, I'm also sending you. Now you ought to sit down sometime with a, with a piece of paper and a pen and list out every, every way that the Father sent him. How well equipped he was, what he possessed, how he had, everything that, the way he sent Jesus. Did he send him under financed? Did he send him under powered? Did he, not, none of those. Because the way that Jesus was sent by the Father is the way that the Father is sending you once you attain the Christ consciousness. And understand that your identity is divinity. So he said, as the Father sending me, I'm sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them. Whew. Does that sound like anything from Genesis? And said, receive ye the Spirit. Now, if Jesus breathed on them and said, receive the Spirit, I'm going to assume they received the Spirit. Amen? Amen? Now, here's what Jesus said. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. All right, let me test your Christ consciousness. Let me see if your identity is divinity. When is the last time that you looked at somebody and said, I forgive your sins? Or have you said, let's, let's pray and ask Jesus to release you from this thing that perplexes you. This, this sin that you have in your life. If you come to church Sunday when we have a call for everybody to come for prayer, you come up for prayer and a prayer person will pray for you and God will forgive you. Now we know we've already been forgiven, all our sins are dropped. But there's an important release here that people have in their consciousness, things that stop people, and that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Things that stop us from seeing clearly in the spirit. Right? It's an important thing. It, to be able to look at somebody and say, look, if you're walking in Christ consciousness with divinity as identity, Jesus said, look, would he have asked us to do it if we couldn't do it? If it wasn't effective, if it wasn't to be the way we operate, would he have said, you forgive their sins. Don't lead them to me, you do it. He wouldn't have told us to do it if we can't do it. Any more than he would have told them, feed the multitude if they couldn't, or Peter, walk on the water. The mind of Christ that opened Jesus to miracles, the cloud of witnesses, I think also, also, that mind led him into, uh, he, he, he played with immortality like a cat with a mouse. Pastor Darren read the scripture last night, and I want to read it again. I just want to see it from just a little bit different angle. John chapter 10 in verse 17, John chapter 10, verse 17. I want, you to see, I want you to see the strength of the Christ consciousness and the divinity as identity when it comes to mortality in looking, staring death straight in the eye. I want you, I want you to look at, at how Jesus dealt with this. He said, therefore, my father loves me 
because I lay down my life that I can take it up again. Now, I like this. He said, I'm the one that lays it down. Sickness doesn't lay it down. The cross doesn't lay it down. You don't make me lay it down. I lay it down. All right, now that's good. Now look onto this. No one takes it from me. I lay it down on myself. I love this. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. So not only, not only could, I bet he could have done it two or three times if he wanted to. I just see him batting this thing around. He said, look, I lay it down, I pick it up. I lay it down, I pick it up. I can lay it down, I pick it up. I got power to do both. I, can, I got power to lay it down. I got you think, see, you, how are you going to intimidate a man like that? You cannot intimidate a person that looks, you say, I lay it down, I can pick it up. I got power to do it. I got power, I can do this or I can do that. It doesn't really matter. It's like playing ping pong. Whatever you slam, I just return. Slam it again, I just return it. No problem whatsoever, right? I love, and I, it, was the, it was this Christ, look, it all hinged around the change in Jesus when he came through the encounter. When he came through the experience in the wilderness, he came out in the power of the Spirit. Now, we have the mind of Christ. Have we established that? We have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Now, how does that, how does that Christ consciousness begin to reveal through us? How, how is it that we can practically cooperate with, with angels, with these ministering spirits that are sent to the heirs of salvation? How, how, does this, how can the Christ consciousness begin to be evidenced? I'm going to give you, th I'm going to give you three ways, three things. I'm working on this a lot. I've got probably 12 or 15. But I'm going to give you three, three simple ones. When the, when the Christ consciousness is working within you, when you've, when you've stepped over that line through, through the experience, you've come out in the power of the Spirit, now you're a different person. How does it begin to look? All right. The mindset that you have, number one, is that you already have whatever you need. There is nothing you need. That's how Jesus lived. That's how, that was the mind of Christ. I know it is because in John chapter 3, verse 35, John chapter 3, verse 35, look at this. The Father loves the Son and has given how many things into His hands? All things into His hands. See, then, then if you come down to John chapter 16, verse 15, He includes you in this. In John chapter 16 and verse 15, he goes, he goes on to say, did I give you that verse? Okay. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So get the picture. The Father has put everything into Jesus' hands. There's nothing that Jesus needed. Nothing that he wanted for. Then he tells his disciples, look, the Father's going to take of what I have, which is everything, and he's going to give it to you. So now you and I have to begin to have a mind, con a mind consciousness, a Christ consciousness, that, that we lack for nothing. And the greatest labor that you and I have is to enter into that rest that we don't need anything, that we already possess it. It must have been about 45 days ago. I saw something so good, and I hope I can, hope I can convey it to you. <clears throat> I felt like the Lord just dropped in my heart the idea that Christ's consciousness doesn't chase after anything or try to run anything down. The Christ consciousness is not a God chaser. It's not a house chaser. It's not a car chaser. It's not a job chaser. Christ consciousness doesn't pursue and chase. Christ's consciousness draws and attracts to you everything you need. We, uh, I'm not going to say too much about this, but we're thinking about moving residences. I'd like to kind of get out in the country a little bit. I'd like to get out of the traffic. You know, I don't pastor this church in it. You know, I, I can get out there and look at the trees. 
I've always wanted to have a swimming pool. I love swimming pool. Never had one. Like to have a swimming pool. And so I go to HAR. I'm looking at all these houses. We go out looking. You know, it, get, it gets to be a little bit tense. I mean, men are like naturally hunters. So I'm hunting. I'm hunting for the house, right? And I feel like God just said, just, just hold tight. I'm going to bring one to you. You don't have to chase it. Don't pursue it. Rest. I'll bring it to you. Well, he brought one to us. Now, it's not quite available yet, but the pro here's where it stretches. The problem is it's a little more than I wanted. <laughs> and I don't have any house payment. I paid my house off several years ago, and I really don't want a house payment at this stage of the game, Right? He said, don't pursue. He said, what you need will be drawn to you. It will be attracted to you. Everything that Jesus needed. This is, this is incredible. Jesus would go out in the middle of the desert and a crowd would show up. The 12, the 12 disciples were not back in town passing out flyers and business cards <laughs> saying, we're going to be out here at this such and such a time. We've got a healing service going on if you have any needs come out. Jesus is going to be ministering. He's going to have a right now word for all of you. You're really going to enjoy the gathering. Make sure that you're there. They didn't, they didn't do anything. They didn't put anything on Facebook, advertise. They didn't, do, they, they didn't do anything. Jesus needs tax money. A fish is drawn to him. Throws a line in and there's a fish with a gold coin in his mouth. Whatever Jesus' name needed, it came to him. Amen. The loaves and the fish came to him. All right, so you have, to, you have to get a life that you don't... This is the Christ consciousness manifesting when you get a life, when you get the idea that you don't need anything. It's not separate from you. It's already part of you. Isn't the kingdom within us? The kingdom is closer than our next breath. It's, already, it's not in your future. God is not fixing to do something someday. The kingdom is always now. Christ's consciousness lives out of the present. It is always present reality. So when you fix in your head that you have need of nothing, just as Jesus said, the Father's put everything into my hands, why chase something when you got it? So it's in, it's in this mindset, this perception, that the angels and the cloud of witnesses are working now to get out of the invisible into the invisible because you've already received it in the invisible. Now it's their job to help manifest it to you where you got it. But as long as you're just a hoping and a praying, I'm just a believing God, I'm just a hoping and a praying someday, their hands are tied. But when you see I have need of nothing, you have just dispatched them to bring to you what it is that you have need of. All right, let's just ask, can you see a life? Can you just even close your eyes and visualize a life that needs nothing but has full access to everything the Father has. Can you, can, you, can you just visualize that? All right, number two. Here's another way. This is a Christ consciousness. You have to have this, this kind of this thinking. And this is what divinity as identity produces. That you're worthy, number two, of having what you need. You're worthy of it. This is where all that religious teaching tries to pop up to short-circuit your Christ consciousness. This is where that born in sin, separated from God, edemic natured, totally depraved, I'm just a poor, worthless human being. This is where all of that now tries to surface. and says you're really not worthy of having it. All of that thinking has to be discarded. In Ephesians chapter 4, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23, it says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Be renewed, 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 renewed. Be renewed. That means to take you back to what was once new. You can't renew what was not new. 
When you renew your mind, he's saying, taking it back, take it back to the original design. Take your mind back to what it was intended to be from the very beginning. Then he tells you in verse 24 how that original design looked, verse 24. And that you put on the new man, right? New, new, renewed, new mind, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. In other words, you're in true worthiness. You're worthy of all things. Now let me show you how strong it gets. That's strong. But let me show you how strong it is. Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. I'm not overloading you too much, am I? No. Alright, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5. Here's how strong this thing gets. Let this mind be in you which was also in who? Christ, Christ Jesus. Yeah. See the wording? Right. Notice the wording there? The mind in Christ, the eternal spirit Christ. That's, that's to be your mind, the second person of the Trinity. Jesus, the human, had a Christ consciousness and it manifested in human form, and you have it too. You have the mind of Christ in a human form. Come on. Can I show you how strong it really gets? Verse 6. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. That takes your big boy britches on to, to, to say, okay, that's me right there. Let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God did not think it robbery to be equal with God. Are you still there? See, when your vibration reaches that level, the angels will continue to come and minister. The cloud of witnesses will continue to encourage you. And what I'm looking for is for Paul to step out of that cloud of witnesses and show me insights into grace and the finished work that I haven't seen yet. And I'm going to get it because I've already got it. Christ consciousness, look up here. If, you have, if, you, if you've been taking trips all over Houston and you haven't heard a thing I said, hear this. <laughs> I've said where you said, I know. Christ consciousness knows that it is one in essence with God and yet it remains distinctive in expression. Let me, let me run that by you again. Christ consciousness knows that it is one in essence with God. It knows it's oneness, it's union. There is no separation. Yet at the same time, you remain distinct in your expression of that. He's not going to change your personality. If you like your pizza, if you like the meat lover special, you're still going to like the meat lover special. <laughs> he, he doesn't... You, you remain distinctive in expression, all right? But your Christ consciousness will reveal and show that you're one in essence. All right, number, number three. This was a hard one for me. When I saw this, this was so hard for me. Christ consciousness. How does it express itself? How do I know that it's flowing? How do I know that I'm thinking in the right direction? Number three, when you understand that inspiration beats planning. That inspiration beats planning. This is hard for me because I'm, I'm, I'm a very methodical person. If you listen to me teach, I'm always like one, two, three, A, B, C. I, I, I'm not one that I just jump in and I can just, I, I, I got a map. So I'm, I'm that way, you know, if I'm going on vacation, I know where the rest stops are. I know where the restaurants are. I know where the gas stations are. I've already made the reservations at the hotel. My brother just went to Wyoming. He just retired. I said, where are you going? He said, I don't know. We're just heading west, see what happens. I go, where are you staying, dude? He said, I have no idea. We'll get into town. We'll find someplace. I go, oh, my gosh. This is a recipe for a friggin' disaster, man. I said, tell me where you're going, and let me just message you a few suggestions of 
He said, don't bother. We'll be gone about two weeks, maybe three weeks. I don't know. He said, we'll be back when we get there. <laughs> See, Christ consciousness is all about sensitivity to the spirit. It's about sensitivity to the spirit over your well-laid plans. Yes. See, when you sense the Spirit speak, you're quick to respond, even at the expense of your plans. <laughs> I was walking in the, in, the, in the building last night. Three people asked me, said, are you speaking tonight? And I said, I don't think so. I said, I'm supposed to speak at 10 and 7. But I said, with Pastor Darren, I'm not sure. I could get in there, and he could say, I think you're supposed to go. So I said, I brought my guns. I'm loaded. I'm ready to go. Because last time we did a great awakening, he had me scheduled for, for, for the night, and we had lunch, and he said, hey, brother, the way the flow is, I think, you, I think you're supposed to take the afternoon. I said, got it handled. <laughs> got it handled. You, you, you hear what, what he says, and you do what the Father prompts. See, it, it really what that shows is I'm a control freak. And it's an area I'm coming through that I'm no longer soulish-led, I'm spirit-led. Yes. When I'm soulish-led, I got it all nailed. I got it figured out. I got it down pat. I know what to expect. So the question is, who's in control? See, we, we, want, we want spirit things to make sense. We want spirit things to be logical so that we feel secure, not fearful. Now, here's, here's what I'm learning. As I gain confidence and experience responding to the Spirit, I'm finding that there's a shift going on in my life and I'm getting more confidence in that realm than I am the realm that I see. Yeah. As I learn, to, as I learn to, to respond to the promptings of the Spirit, listen to what's going on within. Forget my plans. Yeah. Follow what's going on within. I'm, I'm finding that I'm gaining more confidence now in that than what my plans were. You, you want to know what reality really is? Shut your eyes and leave them shut. Everybody just shut your eyes. Okay, quick, ushers, get their billfolds. No. <laughs> Keep your eyes shut. That's reality. That's reality. You want to know what the illusion is? Open them. That's the illusion. That's the illusion we live in. Now, what you and I have done in this great awakening, what we're, we're, we're learning about this weekend, is that we've stepped out of the boat of our well-laid plans and we've begun to walk on the water of inspiration. Yes. Uh -huh. We begin to walk on the water of, of, of what the Spirit of God is saying. And I'm finding that that Christ consciousness can hold me firm on the highest wave that comes down in my life. So we've, we found that as sons and daughters, we really are led by the Spirit, not our mind. And He's going to take us step by step by step in order. That's why I say we are sequencing with Him. We're not sequencing according to our plans. We're sequencing getting first things first according to the plan and the trail and the journey that He takes us down, and we're all at a different place. All right, I need to wrap it up. I've, I've gone too long. Let me just conclude. That's three things that living out of, the, out of the mind of Christ, Christ consciousness that you already have, that he's opening your eyes to the Spirit, that takes you to another whole level. And what it's doing is positioning you. It's aligning you for next level living. And as we move into that level, as you walk into this dimension, you're going to find... You're going, he, you're sensing, and, and most of us have already sensed it, that we are not in this thing alone. So much so that the Bible said, i got to give you another verse. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. We're not in this thing alone. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. He said, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 15, real quick. From whom the whole family in two dimensions, in heaven and in earth, is named. We're not in this thing alone. The family is everyone on this level and that level. Amen. It's all one family. They, they have a vested interest. In fact, they have a very definite vested interest in what you're doing. The Bible says that the cloud of witnesses are pulling for you because without you, they are not made perfect. 
So they're, they're working on your behalf. Amen. Now, when, we, like, when we're talking about working with the cloud of witnesses, we're not talking about necromancy. Is that... We're not talking about necromancy. We're not talking about like a seance, you're ooh, getting with dead, you know, departed spirits and strange stuff. These people are as alive as you are. They're just on another dimension. <laughs> They've surrounded us. They, they're here this morning. They're cheering us on. They're saying, open your mind, hear it. Open your hearts, hear all of this. They're leading us. They're cheering us on to the perfection that they will enjoy with us. Okay, I've talked to you today. I've just scratched the surface on this positioning and aligning yourself to, to you know, cooperate with angels, the cloud of witnesses. The whole family, visible and invisible, is working toward this end, and it brings, it brings the entire cosmos. Here's what the family in both dimensions is working toward. We're working toward bringing the entire cosmos under the lordship of Jesus Christ. That's the end game for all. So tonight I want to follow this up, and I want to talk to you about what hinders us from seeing clearly in spirit. Because that's where angels are active. That's where the cloud of witnesses function. They're all around us. That's the dimension where we see resurrection life. Resurrection life is just a Bible term for immortality. All those things function in spirit, and there's... There are things that stop us from trying to see clearly in spirit. I'm going to get on those tonight. And I think it will dovetail into what I've taught, talked to you this morning. But that's enough for this morning. Thank you. You guys are great to talk to. I love to teach you. Thank you so much. All right. Now, to recap what he said. We thank you for being with us today on the Digital Cathedral. We trust that today's teaching helped you in your journey to the abundant life Jesus has freely given to all. If you would like to help support us in spreading the gospel of grace, you can do so by going to donkeithley.com to make your donation. We thank you for your prayers and continued monthly support and look forward to seeing you again next week at the Digital Cathedral.